Welcome back to the Brothers Book Club Podcast. Travis and Ryan here, checking in. Another week, another classic down. This week, we're taking a look at Traffic by uh, Rushkin? John Ruskin. Ruskin. There we go. John Ruskin. John Ruskin. Number six, volume six. Volume six, uh, this time by an Englishman, I think. Actually, I, I don't even... It says Victorian, so... Yeah, born Canada. born London. Yeah, there we go. Yeah. And I don't think have we had any uh, other English people so far. I've had some Italian stuff. Oh, Next I'm week, Chinese. To... What? What else? We've been kind of j- jumping around the world a little bit. What was the, uh, oh, the murder? Is, murder is considered one of the fine arts. Was that uh, a British dude? That it, yeah, that is. I think British also. Yeah, heading so, back to the old island. Yeah, <laughs> going back. We got to go uh, back this time for decidedly not a satire. Though a uh, critique, but not in a satire form. No. But yeah, still, there's some there's some jabs in here. Yeah, I think that's uh, you can't get through something this British without taking some swings and yep. some dry reflections. Let's say. <laughs> let's dive right in. What's uh, what's the review for this one, Ryan? Give it to us as briefly as you can. <sighs> Short and simple. Didn't quite like the style, but I thought some of the stuff he was getting at, I could kind I could kind of find myself nodding along with it, but I don't know. Seemed a little long winded and uh, kind of dated. In some ways, yeah. I, my review mirrors a lot of that. What which parts did you find dated? In what way? Um, just really diving into the architectural stuff, trying to, you know just really go into detail about some of those types of things. But I don't know, just the way that he was talking about trying to build a bank. It's just like a, just the whole premise I thought was so interesting. Like the, the fact that he's delivering it at like town hall style. Right. It's presented. Well, I suppose just to clarify this little black classics collection also has another one of his speeches or essays called um, the roots of honor, the the history of honor. I forget, but we're first talking about traffic, which is the first. Yeah. It's like a speech he delivered to, yeah, some kind of assembly of public figures or I think probably also priests or something townspeople. I think they're, yeah, all, all sorts of people. They're like, you know, board of directors from this, um, like, I don't know if it's like a federal reserve. He kept, he calls it an exchange. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. Just a bunch of like working people. I think, yeah. Priests. I think they're just debating what to, how to decorate some kind of public building in yeah, their like, town uh, or city. Yeah, like what's the style and this guy's weighing in on his, like, I don't know, giving his professional opinion. So the, the parts again, sorry, that you found outdated were, just the language of it? The language, yeah, definitely talking about like going into like different types like gothic architecture and I don't know, just like, yeah, the whole the whole thing, basically. <laughs> it is a fascinating point of view and I think my review is similar because I, I said that it was timely and outdated, which... Um, you know, I'll throw a paradox around every now and again, you know, or uh, oxymoron. But that 
I think that's actually a good description because it at its heart is just a critique of do we want to say capitalism on this podcast? Do we want to get so outright political? It, I it's actually, a, it's I a think a critique capitalism of, in there somewhere. Yeah, it's a critique of if nothing else that you're that you would take a, a grouping of people like a city society, for example, and structure it all around money. Like he's critiquing structuring a world around spending and earning yeah. and spending, and so that's it, it is outdated in references, and I think. I mean, we can get into this in quotes if you want to slide into that. I, I didn't pull any in this regard, but um, he does ground a lot of his criticisms in religion. Again, he seems, I, th- I would guess, pretty Christian. He talks a lot about God. That yep. could mean, I guess, a couple things. I'm just betting on Christian. Who knows? Yep. I, I don't know if he confirms that. Um, but that part, I guess, does feel, I don't know, obviously not outdated. There's plenty of religions in the world, but um, that's kind of the the foundation of what he thinks has maybe gone wrong. Otherwise though, I think this holds up pretty well. If you ignore, like you mentioned some of the history of architecture, it did remind me of the murder essay, the satire, because do you remember in the murder essay, he went on those tangents about philosophy? Yeah. Yeah. I do remember that. This was not dissimilar though. I think this was more digestible and he didn't, he did talk a lot about architectural history and how there's only been three major styles and there was the Roman style and the Greek and the, and then the Gothic. Um, but it's, it's like two pages, not 12. That's true. That is true. I find the review for mine anyway, to be a, a kind of a rebuke that holds up, you know, if you think you live in a world that, thinks too much about buying, spending, and selling, then there's, I think, plenty to be found in here in terms of, you know, criticism, critique. Yeah. Yeah, that's definitely true. And I think it does get, it does get pretty good, I think, towards the end of the, uh, the speech or the critique when he just kind of really hammers it home that, you know, just getting, all, accumulating all of this, all of this wealth and all this money and all of this capitalism is uh it's not what's going to like stand the test of time. Right. Did uh, any quotes in that regard stand out to you? Anything there, thematically like that? There was the one I think they actually pulled it from I think it's the one that made the sleeve, but he's basically I think it's on page 24 where he's talking about Oh yeah. Um <laughs> He's like, you gather corn, you'll bury England under a heap of grain. Or will you, when you have gathered, finally eat? You gather gold, will you make your house roofs of it or pave your streets with it? Is that the, or he's like, that's one way of spending it. But if you keep it, that you may get more, I'll give you more. I'll give you all the gold you want, all you can imagine, if you can tell me what you'll do with it. What did you, what what do you parse out of that? What do you like about it? I kind of like uh, that. I feel like he's kind of challenging them a little bit. Like, you know, you work so hard for something, you finally get able to enjoy it. You keep collecting, and you know, the the purpose of this exchange is just to help people accumulate. You know, you can accumulate all this wealth, but like at the end of the day, like, what's you know, what are you trying to do for the people or you know, f- fellow man, maybe? Yeah, and I think that is, that is at the heart of the critique is a certain aimlessness, a certain 
I, I mean, you would even could even just say like meaninglessness that you could ascribe to the world they have, which, you know, in the end leads them to, to a conclusion of, I don't know what to tell you to build, because if you were to build anything honest, it wouldn't be worthwhile. Yeah. And I think he does end up coming back around to sort of, you know, maybe a religious understanding of how to reframe it. But he, there are other quotes that make him just seem like more of a kind of a broad humanist type. Mm-hmm. Um, let's dig into some, I saw you pulled the printer's quote. So we're, you know, we're on theme today. We definitely are, uh, we're internet relevant 2019 this week. It's a popular segment. I think we got to keep it around. Yeah, I'll throw mine out there. I did write, though, that it's the final, ultimate, unimpeachably most relevant Pinterest quote. So I maybe for me, I'll kill my half of this segment next oh, time wow. and I'll let you keep going. Because he says on page three, taste is not only a part and an index of morality, it is the only morality, which is kind of at the beginning of his argument. I mean, that's... Isn't that the whole crux of Pinterest is just let's go to the public square and sh- and see what our taste is. You know, we'll compare your taste to my taste. Taste to my taste, your board to my board. Yeah, let's let's go and like flash our morality and see what people have. I mean, yeah, that's that is pretty uh that's pretty fantastic and very very Pinterestable. That's like the uh I don't know. Yeah, maybe you do retire the segment. Stop it there. It's not going to get any more uh, spot on than that. What was your Pinterest quote? Mine was, um, let's see, where is it? Oh, yeah. It's, uh, it's on page five, also early. But he says, what we like, and like is italicized, what we like determines what we are, also italicized, and it is the sign of what we are, and to teach taste is inevitably to form character. I thought that was like a kind of a snooty, maybe more of a stuck-up kind of quote, or just like um, one of those like classics that you would see in like, what was that movie with Robin Williams? He's like the English teacher. The Dead Poet Society? Yeah, maybe. <laughs> I don't know why that... I don't, I, I don't think, he, I think he would hate that quote in that movie. <laughs> <Really>? <laughs> I can't well, tell you the last time I saw it. Well, I guess it would depend on how he, he would define taste. Uh, in that, I guess in that movie, if you define taste as your sort of interests and philosophies, I guess, maybe the things you read, I think this guy does mean it more literally in a sense of, you know, just what kind of architecture you would use, for example. Although his, you know, I think critiques go deeper than that, of course. He's using that as a vehicle, but... right. I, yeah, I guess it would depend on how taste is interpreted, but I mean, out of context, that again is that's that's pinnacle Pinterest right there. Yeah, pinnacle Pinterest. Um, let's throw ourselves headlong into other current events. Um, I don't want to give away when we're recording this. Let's just keep it a mystery. But it is post no, no, the Notre Dame fire, which was recently. Though I, at this point, I truly couldn't even say when that was. Weeks <laughs> ago, a week ago, I you know it was I, a, a bit ago. A couple weeks, I think. I pulled the quote for that one, you know, since we're trying to keep it relevant, uh, current events. On page 19, he says, But your railroad mounds, vaster than the walls of Babylon, your railroad stations, vaster than the temples of um, Ephesus? I don't know that reference. Probably Greek. And innumerable. Your chimneys, how much more mighty and costly than cathedral spires? Your harbor piers, your warehouses, your exchanges, all these are built to your great goddess of getting on, which is how he kind of, in a, I think, kind of, you know, pokey, satirical way, frames that they they don't worship a god anymore. They just worship getting on. Just, you know, 
to on to the next sale, on to the next purchase, just get more, earn more, spend yeah. more. Yeah. Um, and so he's, it's kind of his way of just saying, you can't be inspired that way. And so, of course, you have these, you know, you have these functional masterpieces, these, you know, warehouses, things for, you know, the purchasing, spending, whatever, yeah. selling. But there, I, I, but I can't give you a good idea of how to form your public building because there's nothing worth forming it over. Yeah, I think he talks a little bit about, I, th- I don't know if I pulled this quote, but a little bit later on about like, oh, I think I actually did. It follows up kind of like that, like, thought it was kind of a good dig. He was, um, he was about saying like, uh, conceivably he can't think about a good architecture for the exchange because there's, you know, if there were any heroism in the factor deed of exchange, which might typically be carved on the outside of your, like he was basically saying like, I can't figure out how to decorate this, uh, this thing, like whatever your guys are trying to build. Cause it's just for like nothing or getting on. Yeah, yeah. He makes even a joke recommendation on 22 about, like, maybe you should put uh, pillars in it, but then at the bottom put a big hole so you can stick money in it. Like, you can just have people donate bills and just give you more money, I guess. Yeah, 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 like, yeah. Maybe you could carve yourself, like, a donation pit, you know? That that might be ins- inspiring. <laughs> it's, yeah. Yeah, that's sort of a, another way he critiques it. Although he doesn't actually give too many specific building recommendations. Don't think this guy was an architect. I think he was, yeah, just more of a critic. Uh, yeah, that seems that seems pretty clear. Yeah. Um, here's a new one we can throw out for quotes, trying to you know, loop in some new fans or loop in some new readers and listeners. Sports people, we know you're out there. We know you <laughs> listen to podcasts. Sports fans, uh, which I shouldn't say so distantly because I, you and I watch a lot of sports. Yeah. I don't know why I'm saying that. Yeah. I don't know. I'm saying it so mockingly. I watched more than my share. Um, this was, I thought a good quote about, this is from the second essay though, from the honor one, um, where he explores what it means to be honorable. Right. Um, he's got a great one about the sports connection. He says, I beg you to observe that there is a wide difference between being captains or governors of work and taking the profits of it. Real kings are known invariably by their taking the least possible quantity of the nation's work for themselves. I mean, just, uh, you know, that's captain of a sports team quote right there. You know, the the team really stood up today. It was total team <laughs> effort. I didn't, you know, I, I scored all the goals, but, it you know, they set me up. And, yeah, yeah. classic selflessness play in yeah, terms of gotta, that quote. Yeah, deflect all of the... Uh all the uh, credit and yeah, I, I like I like some of that. He was talking about like the, um, like the best Kings, the best leaders, you know, they're not dressed in the nicest clothes. They're not like dripping in gold and like, you know, their halls aren't the biggest, but they're like usually warriors. Like they're the dudes who are like in the trenches. Yeah. Yeah. That's for sure. Any final yeah. quotes you want before we uh, get to official reviews and author uh, stuff? Um, I think that might have been all the ones that I highlighted. Fantastic! Yeah. I've been parsing. I've been flipping the pages uh, in the last minute or two, and I this book. Uh, you know, I don't know how this will factor into my review. Still flip flopping there, but it is filled with you know these these paragraph runs or these couple sentence runs of uh, incredibly insightful stuff. Oh yeah, what uh, did something just stick out to you? I don't. I wrote all over this one. There's a lot of notes that I left in this one. It is that kind really? of read. It's well, yeah. I think if you, you really have to pour over it a bit, it's yeah. pretty dense. Yeah, 
I'm trying to parse this one. I don't know if you have anything else to add. He's it's in the I'm looking over back over the honor essay since that was the one we haven't touched on as much, the roots of honor. Mm-hmm. He really does attack what he who he calls the political economist, which in our day would just be called an economist, I think. Or I mean a political scientist maybe to a degree. Yeah. Um but he talks about how the the political economist is an engine whose motive power is the soul, which I think in his mind means the he, the soul of the economist is just calculating selfishness, and that's mm-hmm. the that co- sort of it says it falsifies every one of their results. So essentially, you can't believe anything that a person in that realm would tell you. Hmm. Yeah, there's. I mean, he has sentences that are. He kind of swings. When he swings, he swings pretty hard. Oh yeah, he gets. He gets in there. He gets. <laughs> he gets deep. Yeah, I enjoyed. Uh, I enjoyed that essay too. It's a nice pairing. I bet both could be found for free. Let's. Well, let's jump to the official reviews and let's save the author to author for last. What are What are you oh, going to rate this one? I think I got to stick with my original. You know, I really. I tried to. Um, I kind of broke this up. I feel like I probably should have poured over it more and really dug into it a little bit more, but I don't know. For some reason, the style, it never just really, uh, never really clicked. So I'm, I'm leaning towards, I'm leaning towards one stump. A hard pass for you. Yeah. I don't know. Just didn't feel like, yeah. And I think there are a couple things you could pull in here that would make it like, you know, still somewhat of a classic or relevant and, 2019 but i don't know that was a tough one for me couldn't get into it well i think yeah it i ultimately will settle on two i think i put i wrote also wrote down it's attempting three which i i do believe that that it is um i mean i just picked another sentence out i'm just flipping through old old annotations and there's been some union talk in the in the like video games industry lately i've been reading articles about it yeah um but and this quote says the false this is on forty five. The false, unnatural, and destructive system is when the bad workman is allowed to offer his work at half price and either take the place of the good or force him by his competition to work for an inadequate sum. Which I mean, there's a lot of lot of union in that. A lot of uh, solidarity, you know, uniting over wages, not undercutting other wages. I just I don't, yeah. yeah there, there's enough, and that's in the honor one too. Not even in the direct economic essay. Um, I think there's plenty too for, for people who are concerned about modern issues of, I don't know, economy, this, I feel like it's a three for those people. I'm still going to say a two though. I do think that, like you said, the, the stylistic hurdles are pretty serious. There yeah. are a lot of references, including the quote that I just read that I couldn't even read a thesis, a thesis. I mean, you, you'll be doing some Googling, I think perhaps. I typically, uh, I found myself Googling often. Yeah, yeah, I think in some of the, you know, sentences, it's meandering, it's long, it's Victorian era, like it's, you know, detailed and dense. I think worthwhile, though. A lot of the criticisms hold up, and they're pretty slicing. He's got some pretty damning um, and precise accounts of uh, modernity in there. And to think he wasn't even, you know, in in the the one thing that maybe doesn't hold up, did you notice how much he talks about um, soldiers? Yeah, it's all like, um, and I actually, I, I kind of, yeah, I did actually notice that. And I picked, I was picking up on 
some of the stuff he was saying kind of made a lot of sense, but then um, he always kind of a, like, I feel like he compared like soldiers to priests a lot. Well, he, it, or, like, it's other of, types of work. Right. It's one of the things that he clearly admires because he views the soldier as sort of a knight, um, medieval era, knight errant type of, you know, a person of honor and chivalry. Yeah. Uh, he says in 21, the, the spoiling of armor is in a heroic deed in all ages, which in that case just means like getting killed in your armor. But the selling of clothes, old or new, has never taken any color of magnanimity, which is, you know, just means it's not impressive. It's not selling something isn't impressive, but going and dying and being a soldier is. Yes. Um, going on conquest. It's, it's even timeless. Said. Yeah, timeless. I think this is the most, in that regard, blatantly pre-Vietnam uh, War and even pre-World War One era texts that we've encountered. <laughs> I, oh, yeah. You'd be hard-pressed outside of a, a YouTube advertisement from the U.S. Army <laughs> or Navy to find such an unequivocally glowing endorsement of military service. Like, yeah. I don't, I don't even think you can find a Hollywood movie unless Mel Gibson made it that kind of rings like that anymore. Um, <laughs> yeah. not, since, not since like Platoon or pro- there's probably even plenty of movies before that. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's, but in that way, it's still kind of fascinating because it's still relevant. Yeah. You can still draw out some, um, some points of view and, and analyze them that way too. So he's, I, I yeah, he's, he's referencing like, like knights. He has no concept of like world war. Yeah, I'm sure when he wrote this, I didn't even check the dates, but I, I'm sure there was gunpowder flying around. But I, yeah, no, it's yeah, a completely, it's it's quite different. And his, yes, his view of the of soldiers, and I, yeah. I'm certain there was no military industrial complex when he wrote this. There probably weren't even standing armies, really. Probably not, or at least that. not really that big of you know. Yeah, uh, Britain had a pretty big one, but um, but even theirs wasn't really standing. They also had to you know draft and whatever. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, it's it's pretty. Yeah, uh, there's plenty of connections to be had. I still, though, yeah, strong two for me. Qualified recommendation. If you if you're willing to give it the time, um, do it. I think it's worth it. There you go. But it takes time. Yep, it takes time. Read it. Maybe read it twice. I might yeah, have to read it yeah. passages. I mean, or yeah, or certainly parts of it will kind of demand re- immediate rereadings. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. But it's bite size, you know, and that's that's a beautiful thing. It's not going to take it. all night. That's true. Yeah, you can just pick it up, put it down, or just just get through it. What about? Um, well, let's wrap with our final segment. We should probably keep explaining this for a while, um, maybe forever, since it's <laughs> confusing. Um, <laughs> we're going to do author to author. That's become something we really enjoy. This yeah. is when we consider the previous classic, which in this case was the Nietzsche collection from Human All to Human. And we're going to wonder and consider how these uh, would find themselves in conversation. What would the authors and works make of one another? What do you got for this week? Oh, man. This was an interesting one because I don't consider myself any you know, type of authority on Friedrich Nietzsche or his uh, thoughts and opinions. But I don't know. I definitely feel like I don't. He would probably, he'd probably, I don't know, maybe agree on a lot of the stuff that's so like, um, like anti-corporation and maybe like big, (laughs) big money, big business type of thing. But 
not a lot of like love and hate, not a lot of like real feeling in this, more just like I feel like Ruskin just deals in more like I don't, feels like absolutes or I don't know. I this one was a tough one actually. One of I would say one of the most interesting ones to compare so far. Yeah, or this to, one uh, to try and relate. This one would be a great follow-up to the made I think we made a joke last week or the week before about how you could take, or maybe I made it, actually, I might have already filled out next week's document and said this, but you can take Goonlog, you know, simple, much older tales and compare it to like next week's Wailing Ghost. There's a preview for you. Mm-hmm. Um, but that would be like a sincere, like, hey, you know, undergrad student, do this. This, I think, you know, if you wanted to get these two authors' works to c- conversate, that's like, you'd have to lay real groundwork down. I, I was oh, yeah. also left wondering, like, I mean, I know Nietzsche had no thoughts on aesthetics really he was far more into true human psychology human human motivation yeah Yeah. Uh, i think he would he would maybe agree with uh, ruskin's assessments of the different i guess like what the architecture of the greeks and romans taught us about them about their behavior and about their humanity same with the english like i feel like nietzsche could get on board with some of it though i don't think he would give a damn about what your town hall looked like yeah, and what you're putting, uh, how you're building your uh, exchange, how you're building your bank. Yeah, no, I, I certainly don't think so. No. What about uh, the honor like, section? It's almost like, um, well, see, that's where that's where it gets uh, really interesting. I feel like I feel like this is more like societal based, and Nietzsche is so much more like interested in like the individual. Maybe I don't know. I can't really. Like, I don't, he's got a lot of interesting points in here about, you know, the soldier's profession is to, you know, he talks about like five great intellectual professions relating to daily necessities of life have hitherto existed. Three exist necessarily in every civil, in every civilization, the soldier, the pastor, the physician, the lawyer, the merchant. I don't know. I feel like him and him and Nietzsche would probably have a pretty interesting conversation about uh, about honor. I could see that being. <laughs> it could be that like I I think that's like a common theme. I think he there's a quote here about the captain of a frigate should put his son in the same position he would put a common soldier. It's I mean his his at the root of the honor essay is a lot about selflessness and connecting with your common man. Mm-hmm. And Nietzsche I think would have a little disconnect. He was the you know you can never learn empathy absolutely or th- I forget the exact quote. It was something like that. You can never fully empathize or something. You you have to learn how and it's difficult and you can never get there. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do think I don't know. There, there was a weird soft spot in Nietzsche last week for I felt for learning to love and learning to connect. It, it, yeah, it was pretty small yeah. maybe, but it was it was there. Yeah, and I think I think Ruskin would maybe he would they'd find some kind of accord on that that the honorable person is a as selfless a being as you can hope for, even though they would never be perfectly so. Yeah, yeah, I feel like they would be able to find some sort of middle ground, but. Who am I to judge, man? I have no idea. Yeah, yeah. this is well. That's this is part of the that ju- segment. <laughs> that's right. That, that segment will continue to put our feet to the fire, and that yeah. you'll find out just how closely we paid attention. Yeah, who the hell knows? Who the hell will ever know? The no quotes one. we can always just pull out of a hat, but uh, compare contrast activity is proving quite rigorous. I think it's it might just be what we need, you know? 
pushes yeah. the podcast up a level. I think, yeah, I think so. It adds a little bit of spice there, and at the end, it's, it does. It's, un, it's unpredictable. It does, yeah, yeah. And who wants a simple rating when you can have a convoluted compare contrast? That's much more <laughs> my speed, anyway. I'm way more you, on board with that. When you can imagine these two people together in a room talking about who knows honor and architecture. I'd like to throw the satirical murder guy in there. I feel like he would get a kick out of both. I, I also do think Rushkin actually did have a hint of, there was some humor in there for sure. He, he was yeah. throwing some, you know, I mean, if it was an actual speech, I could see why that would be provocative. You know, he's up in front of the crowd, kind of throwing the societal dispersions down. It was, yeah, there was some clever stuff. Yeah. I, yeah, I basically, I, I, I did respect that. He basically started the whole thing out by saying, you know, you invited me down to do this thing. I'm, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> so I'm right. Do something and, else. Yeah. Not only am I not going to do it, I actually can't because you guys are all, you have all horribly misdirected your lives. <laughs> yeah, all of, all of all... what you've made is misguided. <laughs> yeah. This whole thing is pretty pointless and there's a, it's impossible for me to even weigh in on it. Yeah. That's, uh, well, that's as good a way to sign off as any. What's on the agenda for next week, Ryan? What are we reading? Uh, well, you mentioned it earlier, and I'm actually I'm into this one. It's uh, Poosong Ling, and the title is Wailing Ghosts. Poosong Ling. Wailing oh, right. Two names. Two words. Yep, name. Yep. Um, don't know anything about the author or the stories, so... Going in blind. I did. I did some googling and some Wikipedia. We'll save that precious information for next pod. Um, but yeah, it's there it's a short short stories is the very short pitch. We're back to fiction, away from essays and nonfiction for now, and we're heading back into the world of short fiction. Very in some cases, very short. There's a one pager on the in this collection. Okay, well, things will get interesting. And we'll micro, be all over the place. Well, I, I won't spoil it, but yes. All right, man. Well, I think that's all I got. Yeah, close us out. It's been a pleasure. All right, man. And uh, we'll see you next week between the classics. 